0: Welcome to The Worst Best Sellers, where we read about undervalued childcare so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read Mallory and the Trouble with Twins by Anne M. Martin. Joining us to discuss this Babysitter's Club novel is former mediocre babysitter Liz.
1: Hi. Hi, Liz. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back. Thank you for having me.
0: Always love a chance to revisit
1: Babysitter's Club. Yes. Yes. Um, so, welcome uh, everyone back to our Flashback Summer, where just to recap, we um, are going back to older titles from our childhood. And uh, we, you might recall, have already done an episode about Babysitters Club in general, but I wasn't there for it. So, did it even count?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. If this is the first Flashback Summer that you've tuned into so far this year, It seems like a weird a weird time but that's okay we love you anyway whenever you tune in um but we, we are changing it up a little bit and instead of picking random series books to talk about we've been reaching out to folks that we know and like and folks who are interested in being on the show and asking them to choose a book that they loved as a child, regardless of whether or not we've covered it before, and uh, that is what has brought us here to Liz, who we love, and the Babysitters Club, who we
1: also love. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I, I have to assume that people listening to this are sort of familiar with the Babysitters Club, like, and if not, there is already a Worst Bestsellers episode that I think m- is much more broadly about the Babysitters Club. As a whole, so maybe we should just delve in to the Mallory of it all. And I mean, if you're listening and you truly are like, I don't know what the Baby Stars Club is, like just go and listen to the other episode and then come back because we just can't, we can't redo the whole club. But there, yeah.
0: I mean, very, very broadly, it was a series book from the 80s and 90s about a group of 11 to 13 year old girls who form a club in their town to babysit for the parents of the town. And all of the girls have distinct archetypal personalities that um, all of the women of our generation, not, I shouldn't say all, many of the women of our generation um, can relate to much in the way that uh, folks can relate to, you know, saying like what Hogwarts house you are or something like that.
1: I, I was going to say American Girl
2: doll. Yeah. That too. Mm-hmm. This was definitely my favorite of the Babysitter's Club books. I think part of it was because I did really identify with Mallory which is maybe kind of embarrassing <laughs> because <laughs> I don't I don't think Mallory is many people's favorite. I don't even know if she's my favorite, but I, you know, we have some things in common. And and this also I think this was the first book, the first babysitters club book that I ever owned and I think Ooh. that probably made me love it a little bit more like all the ones i'd read before i had taken out from the school library or whatever and so you know it it had a special place in my heart i think i got it in my easter basket
1: oh i think i think identifying with mallory takes like strength of character (laughs) good (laughs) um personally
0: thank you i think we mentioned this because i think um jen my friend jen our, jen our friend jen smith was the person who was on when we talked about the babysitters last time um but i can't remember if it was her or one of our mutual friends who said that um they always got the impression that anna martin was a mallory who aspired to be a marianne <laughs> and i i too felt like i was a mallory who aspired to be a christie as a youth and as an adult i am just flat out a christie but perhaps <laughs> with the style sense of claudia there you
1: go. <laughs> i think for me these books are so interesting to think of in terms of like a publishing landscape now because like the kind of rule of thumb for writing books for kids is that you want your protagonist to be like a few years older than your intended audience so if you are writing a book for like fifth graders maybe they're going to want a book that's written about like junior high students just so they can look forward a little bit but like reading a book about high schoolers is maybe going to be too out of their depth but i fully started reading these books when i was like in kindergarten like they're written at a and, and i this isn't meant to be a flex like i did start reading (laughs) early uh, and i was like an advanced reader or whatever but these books are like simple they're short the most of the kids are in eighth grade but i think most eighth graders would find these books you know most sixth and seventh graders would find this a little bit like i don't know like what age were you guys when you were reading baby stars club i probably started in
2: maybe third grade i don't know if i really had x ac- well i don't actually i don't know if they were this book was um published in 89 i would have been in fourth grade then so i don't know because i'm i'm older than you guys um i probably started reading them shortly after they were published so i don't know that was probably third grade for me
0: yeah i started reading definitely in second or third grade definitely by third grade And I think probably I started uh, the year before. Um, I'm trying to... I'm looking up now when... I know for sure that I was still reading them when I was 10 and 11. Because I just looked up when Abby joined the Babysitter's Club. And it was 1995. And I read a few books past then. But I am also the sort of person who, when I get really into something... I tend to stick with it for a long time. Yeah. Um, I think I was also probably simultaneously reading, like, fucking Stephen King books. Mm-hmm. But I just love those goddamn babysitters.
2: Well, you know what I used to do? I, I totally... I mean, I was 15 then. I, I, I had checked out by that time. But I know for a long time, uh, every time I would go to the mall, uh, I would go into... I think it was the B. Dalton's. And I can remember exactly where the Babysitter's Club books were. It was like all the way in the back of the store to the right. And I would go and check out, read the backs of whatever the latest books that had come out for like years after I stopped reading them. I wasn't gonna like make the effort to actually read the books, but I just, I needed to know what was happening
0: in their world. (laughs) Yeah, I, similarly, I started working at the library as a page um, when I guess I was like a freshman or sophomore in high school um and i had been i was a an unpaid um summer reading volunteer um like organizer not like table volunteer but like the higher tier a volunteer for a couple years before that too when it was post reading the babysitter's club books but still, because I was spending so much time in the children's room in the library, I would like seek them out also just to see what was going on. And I remember when everyone, like they did like a soft reboot where everybody except for the original four had to leave. Oh no, (laughs) No. I don't remember that. Um, Wow. Yeah, it was Mallory goes to boarding school and (gasps) Jesse gets accepted to some ballet program and... Abby gets accepted to some prestigious soccer team, and I think Logan moves away and Whoa. B-
1: back to Louisville, Kentucky, his hometown yeah. that has given Dawn... him a gentle southern accent.
0: <laughs> Dawn at that point had gone back to California. Obviously, she's so
1: California cool. Obviously, obviously.
0: Mm-hmm. So it was just back to like Christy, Marianne, Stacey, and Claudia, and it was like I don't know how long it went after that, but it was just like a soft reboot of the series. Huh. So
2: so, like, they had continued to age? It's just everyone else left?
0: Um, I mean, I don't know if they continued to age, because they were 13 for, like, 100 bucks. Right. But they, like, the everybody else left, and they were just like, okay, well, we're still going to keep doing it, and it's just the four of us, and... Wow. What is the point? Yeah,
2: that what, is weird. I mean, you can get Abby fine. I don't know her. We don't need her around. But <laughs> Dawn
1: dawn at least i mean she comes in really early on right yeah i mean this is book 22 and she's here but i think she's in the, i think by like the single digits she, she's there yeah yeah
2: um i mean i feel like maybe I, book five like everybody got a book and then it was like oh we need somebody else to throw in here i could be yeah. wrong
1: we'll, we'll google that later um i i, I, I just googled it now these, actually okay.
0: Um, so the last book in the regular Babysitter's Club series is The Fire at Marianne's House. It's the hundred and thirty first book in the series. Oh, whoa. And it was published in May nineteen ninety nine, and then whoa. the babysitters club Friends Forever started after that, with the first book being Everything Changes, and there was a radical redesign of like the covers and everything.
2: And that's what that's... you're talking about when they got rid of Everyone but the First Four?
1: Yes. Wow. That's so many. That's amazing. And that's another thing, I think, we just don't have this anymore. Like, there aren't kids' series that are going to hundreds of books anymore.
0: I mean, there's still the Warriors. It doesn't go to hundreds, but that's only, I feel like, because each set is, like, 12, and then there's just another set after.
1: There's six. Okay, yeah. Warriors are mostly in sets of sixes, and they are the bane of my existence. (laughs) (laughs) But even that is different, because there's no, like, there's no actual Warriors number 50. Like, I, from what I understand, I think you could kind of dip in and out and read them on a six-by-six basis. I mean, obviously you can read these in any order as well, but they do technically get numbered. Yeah. Interesting. We recently were trying to Figure out like what Warriors books we are missing, and I made this spreadsheet. And I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I, I want to talk about uh, this. But so I, I think um, on the on the previous Baby Stars Club episode, you talked some about the little sister books, which mm-hmm. I actually started reading first because I was pretty young, and those were um, geared for the age that I technically was. And I'm pretty sure we just impulse bought them, like at the checkout aisle at walmart or something like that like we didn't even have a real like bookstore in my town i think they were just from walmart um and so i had a few of those and i really liked that karen had glasses because i had to wear glasses at a very young age and that was very identifying for me but pretty quickly my parents were like um you read these books too fast and they are not challenging enough for you and this is a waste of our like two dollars at walmart we're gonna get you the next level up of babysitter's club so that's that's when I started reading the actual Babysitters Club, and then whenever I saw Karen, who is the little stepsister of Christy, I was like, it was like a celebrity sighting. I'm like, oh Karen, <laughs> I know Karen. Um, I read
2: a couple of those, uh, even though I was way too old to be reading them, but just because I was like this completionist, like like I have to know what else is happening in the world of Babysitters Club, but I, I didn't get very far because they were.
0: They were pretty boring to a 8-year-old.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. We talked um, we talked more actually about the super specials and about the California diaries, which I could do a whole second fucking episode about the California diaries. Oh,
2: so we Yeah, won't get I into completely that. missed out on those. I didn't even know they existed till I heard you guys talk about them.
1: Same. You know what? Next summer, let's just do babysitters club summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or, or even Anna and Martin Summer, I guess. Ugh. But anyway, the point I was somehow trying to get to via the little sister books was I feel like it makes sense that readers would latch on to Mallory and Jesse because I think mm. most people reading this, you know, if we were in, like, second, third grade, then the sixth grade characters are a few years up from us, and they seem a little bit more maybe achievable than these, like, cool eighth graders. That makes um, sense. Although, again, to me as an adult reading this, it's like, who... Who would let an eighth grader watch your children unless it was, like, they were your child and, and you were watching your mu- your younger siblings? But like- well,
2: I have to say, I I started babysitting for not my family when I was 12. I don't think oh. I did any at 11, but definitely was paid to babysit at 12. And continued to babysit. I mean, it wasn't like it was a one-off job. But, um, I mean, I... <laughs> Which is why my introduction was former mediocre babysitter. I don't know that I did a great job. Nobody died. Nobody got hurt. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, so you did fine. Yeah, but I did it. I definitely, I, and I, I, I think, so that was seventh grade for me. I'm pretty sure in seventh grade, part of our health class was taking um, like a babysitting certification course
1: in school. Oh, that, that was an optional thing the Red Cross mm-hmm. offered, but I didn't take it. I guess, you know, for me, part of what I liked so much about this series and, like, the world of Stony Brook, and I think probably what age and if you were able to babysit probably depends heavily on, like, where you lived and what your community was like. Definitely. And for me, it was so rural. There weren't any other kids around. There weren't, you know, these kids are, like, walking and biking everywhere. They can, like, get around. For me, there was nobody in walking distance. There was no, like... Is nothing 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 so if I were going to babysit I wouldn't have needed someone to drive me there or to be old enough to drive myself and then it just there just wasn't but so that to me was a huge part of like what was cool about this year's was like well and we'll get into it they did need someone to drive them to the mall but they seem to be able to get to each other's houses no problem they can get to their clients no problem and for me that was just like science fiction <laughs>
2: <laughs> I actually grew up in Connecticut um, but in a town on the, the Massachusetts border, so not anywhere near Stony Brook would be. Mm-hmm. So I I did have live in a neighborhood that we, it was you know more suburban than rural, but not as uh, not as suburban as Stony Brook. But um, I I did also really like like that as a kid that like they lived in my state because you know Connecticut doesn't get a lot of play when it comes to like, you know, fiction. But uh, uh yeah. I liked that. It's like everyone's least favorite New England state or or just least <laughs> least interesting. <laughs>
0: Listen, it's, it's nothing against Connecticut. It's just that Connecticut somehow is 100,000 miles long. And anytime you drive in it, you're in a weird vortex where it takes 15 hours of your four hour trip.
2: Well, that's really funny because where I, not to talk about freeways, but I do live in California now. And that's what we do. But uh, I live right near 91. And so the only way I was ever traveling through the state was north-south. And that was like an hour. So I do not have that experience with Connecticut. Mm. But I also have to say, because I was so far north, where I grew up is nothing like the, like, you know, suburb of New York City that that people think of when they think of Connecticut or that I think Stony Brook isn't supposed to be exactly that. But it's a lot more that than than where I grew up.
1: All right. Well, I think I think we probably have gotten sufficient background in to get into the specifics of Mallory and the Trouble of Twins, but I'm sure we'll just continue to like wax nostalgic generally throughout because because it is flashback summer and we have all read a lot of Babysitters Club books. Yes. That's- yeah. Um,
0: so this particular book starts out with Mallory Pike, whom, uh, if you were not aware, if this was your first Babysitter's Club book, it very quickly goes on to explain that Mallory's one of Mallory's defining characteristics is that she is one of eight children, and she and her seven siblings and her parents are all somehow squished into a car, and she explains <laughs> it in detail, but it still doesn't seem safe and like there are enough seatbelts no, to me.
2: No, there's... There's four kids in the middle. They mean they must have a station wagon. So there's four kids in the middle. There's no way there's four seat belts, but that didn't matter back then.
1: No. <laughs> let, let alone car seats, right? Forget no. It.
2: And I mean there were no airbags. so one of the kids is on the bench seat in the front in between the parents. That was also mm. totally
0: fine back then. And three of them are stuffed in the Wayback together, which the Wayback of all the cars I was familiar with only had two seats, so... Mm,
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, you have eight kids, what are you gonna do? By the way, it's never really explained, like, what's up with the Pikes having so many kids, I feel like. And we were speculating in our notes, like, it didn't necessarily seem like a religious thing, and, like, that so often is how you end up with the big families or if you were doing, like, fertility treatments and had a lot of multiples. Mm-hmm. And there are triplets in Mallory's family, which is key. But They're identical triplets. Yeah. But then there's way more kids after the triplets.
2: Yeah, and even as, like, an eight-year-old, I thought it was strange that they would have one kid and then triplets and then have four more. And now as an adult examining the difference in ages between those kids except for the youngest who's two years behind they had them one year after another so they had four babies and they decided to have sex and get pregnant again (laughs) that is no I don't buy it you couldn't have the you, you you
0: just couldn't you could not get pregnant with four babies in your house in the, the the book that we read the last time we did Babysitter's Club was um, the Claudia and the Racist People book, and there is a moment where, when Claudia is explaining to the racist children all the different babysitters she works with, how one of them is Mallory and she has seven siblings, and the kid goes, oh, they must be Catholic. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Which Claudia is very confused by, and as a youth... Uh, I was also very confused by, and it was only as, I think I asked my mom, like, what does that mean? And she had to, like, vaguely explain it to me in a way that didn't make any sense because my family was Catholic, but we were very liberal and not super religious. So it was, but I was too young at that point to understand that.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to dip in to judge the Pike parents for a minute. We can get... I just, yeah, I just want to know why yeah it's I, less judgment and more question like would love to read a book from the pike parents point of view
2: yeah or i'd just like to sit down with anna and martin and like ask her about them i have questions about some other stuff that like i feel like there's more to this story that she is aware of but she never put into the text and i i just
0: want some answers <laughs> so mallory and her siblings and her parents are on the way to the mall Um, They are getting new shoes for the family. Uh, All of her siblings are being little assholes to each other, and her mother keeps threatening to not buy them new shoes if they don't shut up, uh, which feels very true to life as a child who fought with her sibling all the time. Hmm? And Mallory is uh, thinking about how she feels like a freak, how she feels like a baby, how she wishes she had pierced ears and she could cut her hair and wear cool
1: clothes. Uh, such, unfortunately- as, such as pink shoes with green trim that she's not allowed to get. Yes. I,
2: I still remember how I pictured those shoes and reading it back. I, I always pictured them as like kind of high tops with like um, with the green around the top. But um, mm. there's no indication that they're high tops or sneakers or anything. And I, I don't I need more description here. I don't know what that means. Pink shoes with green trim. It's not mm-hmm. enough. <laughs>
0: Um, so they they all get their new shoes, and then her parents are like, okay, you all have spending money, like, you can go do whatever you want for an hour. Um, so, like, the boys go off on their own, the triplets, and the younger, a couple of the younger ones go with the mom and the dad, and then the two littlest ones go with Mallory, and all Mallory wants to do is go to, uh, Claire's, or the Claire's The merry-go-round. The merry-go-round, and watch them pierce other people's ears
1: yeah it's weird (laughs) (laughs) um but her sisters
0: freak out at the piercing uh so they have to run away and she's very embarrassed um does one of them actually vomit or does she just think she's gonna vomit she just shouts that she thinks she's gonna vomit okay good
1: Mm -hmm. because part of which yeah, like that's that child's character trait is yeah. like constantly like there was a threat on the way into the mall that she might be car sick like that's all that she has going on.
2: Yeah, she's the one that gets to sit in the front seat between the parents.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Um. So then that's chapter one. Chapter
0: two is if you're unfamiliar with the Babysitters Club, every Babysitters Club chapter two is exactly the same. Um, At which point the narrator explains the concept of the babysitters club, how it started because Christy's mom needed a sitter for her little brother and Christy thought it would be great if she could call one number and get a bunch of sitters at once uh, to see if they were available and came up with the idea and then explains all the roles that people have in the club, all of the various club accoutrements, like the notebook where people write About the sitting jobs that they were on, the kid kits that they have that are filled with toys that they bring to sitting jobs. um, The fact that Claudia's private phone line. Yes, it's in Claudia's room because she has a private phone line. Um, It just uh, it goes through. They're all exactly the same. If you've read one Babysitters Club chapter, two, you've read them all.
2: They're the same like they're conveying the same information but there's always different details and so like i never skipped that chapter because i i lived for those extra details like what was the candy that or the junk food that claudia had hidden in her closet this time or you know what were they wearing or like there was always like some little thing thrown in there that like i i had to read
1: yeah well and this is why you know sometimes parents will come and complain like my kids just reading the same stuff over and over again and like the repetition is soothing and it helps you build confidence oh and, yeah and it's just nice it's just yes. like, like his repeat um but I'll take this moment to drop a Baby babysitter's club detail that I am obsessed with which is that a lot of these books were ghost written by David Levithan the yeah. iconic queer young adult writer wow and I, saw him I didn't s- know that that's not even the fun fact I'm getting to. Like, But <laughs> wow. yes, so he, I mean, that is part of it. Like, But I saw him speak, and he was talking about Ghostwriting the Babysitter's Club, and he talked about how he was, like, a 19-year-old, like, gay man college student who was supposed to be writing about the fashions of all of these, like, teenage and tween girls and he Mm -hmm. didn't really know what it was supposed to be so he would write about just like looking at the j crew catalog and then picking pieces that didn't make sense together and putting them in claudia and i was like this (laughs) makes sense
2: (laughs) wow i love that
1: yeah so that does maybe also explain why pink shoes with green trim gives no further details like that's what i thought of (laughs) um anyway (laughs)
0: um So at the meeting, they get a call from um, Mrs. Arnold, who is someone who Christy and Marianne to the Babysitter's Club members, Christy is the leader, she's bossy, Marianne is the secretary, she is sensitive and shy and cries a lot. They have babysat for the Arnolds a couple years ago, but no one sat for them recently. And Mrs. Arnold is on a fundraising committee, and she's going to need a long-term sitter on like Tuesdays and Thursdays for like three months or something and Mallory is one of the only people available so she decides to take the job
1: and she's very excited thinking like oh like two jobs a week times I don't know like two dollars an hour or whatever like I'm gonna be able to buy so many cool accessories at the merry-go-round and she's like scheming about this makeover that she wants as her as her goal for her influx of babysitting cash yes um, so the very first day, she shows
0: up for her job at the Arnold's house, and um, Mrs. Arnold, uh, the, the girls are twins, and they open the door. Their names are Marilyn and Carolyn. They are dressed like little porcelain dolls in matching frou fru clothing. They seem to be inc- perfectly identical, except for the fact that they are wearing name bracelets. And uh, their mother comes downstairs, and their mother is very extra
2: <laughs> oh yes. my gosh I I could not get over Mallory's description of her and the way she is like silently dragging her I'm yes. like to be ju- I, and I mean don't get me wrong I am sure 11 year olds are judging me <laughs> like of course they are because I'm old and boring and whatever 11 year olds have all sorts of thoughts about how you know Uncool I am. But oh my gosh, she's so
1: harsh with her. She's I mean mentally, she doesn't say anything out loud to Mrs. Arnold. But we get like almost like half the chapter is just a full read of Mrs. Arnold's wardrobe and how dumb it is.
0: She's wearing like multiple bracelets, multiple necklaces, multiple rings, makeup, nail polish, perfume, a bow in her hair. A beaded sweater with a fake rose pin attached to it, a belt that is a big has a big ribbon bow on the center of it, shoes with bows on them. <laughs> it goes it is and I say this as a person who's very extra and very prone to accessories, but I was kinda dragging her right along with Mallory.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure. It I mean it sounds I can't even picture I I don't think this would ever happen. I don't, I mean, there's like, I don't think she could move. She'd have too much accessories (laughs) weighing her down. But uh, yeah, I I do love the part where she says, um, Mallory said separately from the description of the outfit, she makes a point of saying she has, she's wearing makeup, perfume and nail polish. And probably has her nails, her toenails painted too. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I. It's twenty twenty now, sure. and I don't know. I don't know what things are like in Connecticut these days. But where <laughs> I live, like that's pretty normal. And m- maybe it wasn't normal in Connecticut in the eighties. But um, geez, like
1: the bows. I definitely. Too many I definitely feel like Mallory. I feel like Mallory just got into, like, a bitch-eating crackers territory, where she, like, (laughs) ran out of actual grievances, and was like, uh, and also she's wearing perfume? Come on. (laughs) Like, on its own, that's fine. I also, uh, it occurred to
2: me that, like, any one of us could be, I mean, we don't know how old Mrs. Arnold is. She's probably Mm. right around, like, she could be your age, she could be my age. I have a seven-year-old, which is how old the twins are.
0: She's yeah. she's not old. <laughs> she's 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 not old. She's probably like thirty five. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say my mom was thirty five when I was seven, yeah. and I just turned thirty five like seven days ago. So. Yeah.
1: Well, now I, I just mean, have to
0: I... sit with that for a minute that my mom <laughs> <laughs> was successful per human being with two people with <laughs> two babies when she was thirty five, and I'm. Me. All right,
1: Kate. You have a moderately successful podcast. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, um, at the beginning of her babysitting job, everything seems fucking fine. Like the kids are eerily the same. One of them has piano lessons. By the way, we told. I
1: don't think we've said yet that they are in fact named Marilyn and Carolyn, and they <laughs> go by Marilyn and Carolyn. They don't go by like Carrie and and Mar- Like they're doing the rhyming. Yeah. Um, And they take her up to
0: their bedroom, which is creepily exactly the same. She describes it as if you had like made one side of a room and put a mirror down the center. Uh, Like all the toys, all the furniture, everything is exactly the same on either side of the room. Um, And at first they seem to be happy to read books and aren't being weird or anything. But then Mallory makes a comment about how cute they look. Dress the same, lying the same way on their exactly the same beds. And then it is time for war with these twins. They immediately decide that they do not like Mallory and immediately take their name bracelets off and run around the room in a circle so that she can't tell which is which anymore. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. And by the, I mean, again, they're seven, almost eight. Mallory's 11. Like, that's... She should not be babysitting these kids. Anyway, Um, that's just one symptom of the problem, I think. So they talk in like they're made up twin
0: language to her. They ignore her and she can't tell which is which until finally she grabs one and brings her over to the piano and is like, you need to practice piano. And she's like, uh, I don't know piano. So at that point, she knows, oh, OK, that's Carolyn. Marilyn's the piano one.
1: Yeah. Which, Liz, I think you had a great point about this, which was if these parents are so committed to matching, why on earth did they only sign one up for piano lessons?
0: Yeah.
2: And. It doesn't make sense at all. And if so, you have I I have to imagine they both signed up, but only one of them really took to it. But then, like, if you are able to control your kids at almost eight years old to the point where you can make them wear these foofy clothes every day and match and do all this stuff, like, I mean, first of all. The fact that these kids buck against Mallory's authority to such an extreme degree, I I, I don't buy that they would just happily go along with their parents, making them wear these clothes and have their broom exactly the same. I mean, like, my kids, by, like, age three, had very strong opinions about what they did and didn't want to wear. And so these kids just... It, it doesn't make sense.
0: Well, they do say, the the kids do say at one point that up until recently, they thought it was very cool that they were twins and they liked dressing the same way. That's
2: true. That is a good point. Yeah. Although, have you guys ever seen that, um, there was like a bunch of pictures, uh, this collection of, of photos on the internet where, um, it was showing little kids, I think, like, kindergartners at the beginning of their first day of school and then at the end. And they all yes. look, like, so sweet and precious with, like, their perfect hair at the end. And they are just, like, bedraggled at the end of the day. Like, that's what, that's what, like, I don't know how these twins manage to look so perfect and pristine all the time. Mm.
0: Yeah. Um so the Mallory's like, "Well shit, I have to babysit these kids forever now and they hate me and they're playing weird war games with me. Mm-hmm. This isn't great." Um and
1: interspersed we get what And what we're else? having club meetings, by the way. In this one Stacy has moved back to New York, which I sort of forgot that ever happened. Um they they have club meetings um and at some point there's a weekend session where claudia babysits the twins and so then they have another meeting where claudia's like god you're right mallory like these kids suck and i kind of thought it was just because you were 11 and you couldn't handle it but i'm 13 and i'm here to tell you these twins are nightmare (laughs) children and so then they sort of start making some plans and um Talking they pull. Up. They
0: pull a big one on Claudia where one of them is supposed to go to like a very special piano recital. Marilyn's supposed to go to a very special piano recital rehearsal. Mm. And instead, they switch places and Carolyn goes and the piano teacher calls and is like, uh, you sent me the kid who's tone deaf. Like, where's the good one? And Claudia's like, I don't know, I'm the fucking babysitter. Like, I don't have a car.
1: I can't bring her there. I'm sorry. <laughs> right but then the, the mom is mad at claudia which i don't know it's, it's your kid's fault it's not claudia's she's, fault
0: she's she's mad at claudia but at the same time is like oh like i'm so sorry i'd understand if you don't want to ever use our club again to babysit and the mom is very quickly like no 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 <laughs> we're fine
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um which perhaps implies that maybe uh this is not the first time that these kids have fucked with their babysitters and she has found out about it yeah um, but but Mallory is starting to think about because at one point she and Jesse are talking and Jesse's like oh like remember when you were little and you wanted to pretend to be twins with someone and Mallory doesn't really remember that but like she does remember that one time she got like a really fancy floppy bow <laughs> and her sister Somebody loved it. those in this book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Her sister loved it so much that she insisted on getting the same one, and Mallory was very annoyed any time they both wore it at the same time, uh, and starts to think that maybe that might have something to do with why the twins are the way they are.
1: Yeah, it's a real light bulb moment. It's also funny because, again, she does have these three identical triplet brothers who don't dress the same, and it took her a a, a long time. It took her like half of the book to get here, but... (laughs) So she,
0: the twins have a birthday party, and prior to the birthday party, um, she decides that in order to combat their use of only twin language and fucking with her, she's only going to talk to them in pig Latin. And they get really mad that they can't understand her, so they kind of come to a truce where she's like, I'll teach you pig Latin if you promise to stop being such little shits. And they're like, fine. Fine. And they explain to her, like, we don't really like being the same all the time. And she's like, okay, I kind of get that. That sort of makes sense. My brothers don't like being the same all the time either. So I get it. And apparently she's the first person they've ever mentioned this to before this point.
1: Yeah. So then they suddenly feel like they love, like a flip a switch. Now they are extremely team Mallory. They Um, teach her how to tell them apart without their bracelets. Which, by the way, they each have moles on opposite cheeks under their eyes. And there were multiple times in this book when Mallory and Claudia, like, desperately were searching these twins for ways to tell them apart. And I feel like if you are looking at them so closely, you would have noticed a mole before. But whatever, they didn't. Yeah, a mole is not that tiny. It it, it doesn't track. Right. Yeah. As, again, especially if you're specifically staring at their faces trying to notice You know, if you're playing, like, spot the difference with these kids' (laughs) faces.
0: So they, Mrs. Arnold asks Mallory if the club would be able to help with the girls' birthday party, Um, so they do, and Mallory can tell that they are unhappy because they keep getting, like, it's time for opening gifts, and they get all exactly the same gifts, until it gets to Mallory's gifts, and she has given Carolyn a book about science and Marilyn a piano pin. Um, which is a weird detail that I remembered oh, from yeah. these bu- this book. Okay,
1: I was going to say extremely same. And also, yeah. I mean, this book really did stick with me. And whenever I encountered twins in my life going forward, I would like think about this. And be like, oh, yeah, they're different. <laughs> anyway, so the, the party um, is another big moment where they they feel seen, they feel validated that Mallory has accepted their difference. And um, they kind of, um, is it at the party? They, they, they have kind of a sulk. Yeah, they have a sulk at the party.
0: And then the next time Mallory sees them, they're like, look at all the cool gifts we got from our parents. And they have gotten all of these incredibly fancy, expensive gifts. But always, always two of the same for the two girls yes. yeah
1: and then and, now- like they have especially they have these two like very large fancy identical doll houses and like why wouldn't you just get one doll house like this is really committing to your twin shtick in a way that is um frankly upsetting arnold well, parents and i would like <laughs> to talk to you they are very extra yeah
0: yes they seem to have more money than sense. hmm. Um, But so after showing Mallory, like, the very fancy brass doll beds that they've gotten and the doll houses and all this shit, they're like, guess what our favorite presents are? And Mallory's like, I don't know. And they're like, your presents, because you got us presents as individuals instead of as one unit, like literally everyone else in our lives.
1: Yeah, they articulate it very cleanly.
0: Yes. Um, So they... Mallory convinces them that they that she will help them talk to their mother about how they don't want to dress and act and be the same anymore, which they do successfully do. And the mother very quickly is like, oh, you're right. You are individual people capable of separate thought. And I probably was a jerk for not acknowledging that before now, but you can't cut your hair. Uh, but she does give them some money so that they can buy separate, their own separate clothes.
1: Right, or she gives them permission, had, I think, to spend yes. their birthday money. They had birthday yes. money. And, um, and they get permission to go to the mall with Mallory instead of with their mom.
0: Yes. So they, um they pick out some different, one of them, I can't remember which one. I'm part of the problem, one of them <laughs> leans real into the girliness of it, and she gets like a pink jean skirt and a ruffly blouse, which was very 90s,
1: Marilyn, um, and
0: pink Ma- berets. Sorry, uh, it's Marilyn who
2: wants to be more grown up, and Carolyn wants to be cool.
1: Yes. Which, by the way, to me at least as a child, those were sort of interchangeable. Yeah, I-, I guess... I guess if your mom is Mrs. Arnold and you're seeing like her image of grown up, maybe that means something different to you. And I
2: don't want to I don't want to gloss over here. Like the this chapter where they go shopping, the the first line of it is shopping day exclamation point. And this was the point in the book that I mean, there's so much because Mallory's thinking this whole time that she wants to make over herself. So she's just as excited to go shopping as the girls are to buy some stuff for herself. And I don't like shopping. I don't like being materialistic and buying clothes and stuff as an adult. But like, this was so exciting to me as a kid. And and like the whole, like this whole chapter, it was such an event of, them getting dropped off downtown and going into the different stores and they are tallying they're trying different things on and tallying up how much things cost so they can be smart about their purchases because they only have so much money and like they're finally like making these choices about themselves as individuals like it was it was momentous
1: yeah it was like a big makeover montage and, yeah, I mean, now, well, now, mid-quarantine, would love to go to a mall just to go to a place. But um, for a while, I wasn't super into this IRL shopping. But as a kid, definitely, definitely would wander around the mall for hours, spending, ultimately, like, $4 on a lip gloss. But just enjoying the experience of, like, looking at every item in the mall. Yes. Yeah, I'm from New Jersey. That's kind of, like, our national pastime. <laughs> yeah.
2: And there's there's a lot of... I don't, I mean, the mall pops up a lot in this book. I think more than we've mentioned that, uh, thinking about the mall, talking about when they're going to go to the mall. And it's a, it's a key component.
1: Yeah. And, and throughout the series, I think, I mean, the babysitters are mall centric girls, but this one probably has more mall time even than an average babysitters club book. Yeah. And I loved it.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm, thinking back to to like the difference between grown up and cool Mm. and maybe we'll get more into this later um but i i'm trying to remember if as a youth i thought of grown up and cool as different things because looking at it now like i can see how i would not call how i dress now to be cool i would say that it's very quirky and twee -hmm. But I wouldn't necessarily put it under the category of grown up. Like Mm as as now as an adult, when I think grown up, I think like a suit or like slacks and a blouse or you know like things grown ups wear. Which I that's kind of I would say neither of us
1: dresses like grown ups.
2: Yes. And that's kind of what Marilyn ends up with. Like I I remember reading this and thinking like oh she's kind of the boring one like it like. (laughs) that to me meant like serious like I mean she gets it's a pink skirt but it still sounds pretty simple and she gets like a a ruffled blouse and just the fact that it was a blouse like what eight year old wants to wear a blouse like that that does sound very I mean it sounds dull to me which I guess I equated with being a grown up yeah
0: Mm -hmm. whereas Carolyn gets cool jeans and a T-shirt with a star and a moon on it, or a sweatshirt, a sweatshirt with yes. a star yes. and a ma- moon on it. I'm sorry, it was the 90s or the 80s. It is okay. I <laughs> that I mean,
2: that
0: shirt. I mean, you talk
2: about the the pin and the the science book. Like that sweatshirt is the image that is in my mind that like epitomizes this entire book.
0: Yes. They also, and they get Mallory, push down socks. Yes, the push. That was exactly what I was going to say. Was the push down socks. Oh yeah, because
2: which are first introduced on. Claudia like she's wearing very cool there there are I think because clothes are so important in this book there are even more descriptions of everyone's outfits than there are normally in a babysitter's club book and
0: I just loved it yeah, yeah there was so much and those fucking the
1: second I read push down socks I was like oh god I'm a child again
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the funny thing was I had pushed down socks as a kid but like I didn't really understand how you were supposed to wear them until like I finally saw somebody else wearing them and I was like oh like that like I, for there's definitely a long stretch of my life where I was incorrectly wearing push down socks
2: <laughs> I, I don't think I had any but I think I just tried it with the socks I did have and um, or like layered two pairs of socks you know in mm. opposite order mm. and tried to like make them look that way and it didn't work
1: <laughs>
2: with my pegged <laughs> jeans <laughs> Did you guys do that or, or are you too young to have pegged your jeans?
1: I didn't, but also I wasn't cool, so it's possible like <laughs> I mean I was cool not kids cool, we but... were doing it. <laughs> we were behind on the fashions for sure.
2: I feel like it was I mean late late 80s, early 9 very early 90s is probably when that stopped.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it was not it was prior to my time. I when I was when I was reading these books, um, leggings as pants was really mm. and stirrup pants were the, yeah. the big. Yeah. But but so we got a little off track there <laughs> in a good way.
1: Um, in, yeah, in a fashion way, we're almost to the end of the book. The girls get
0: to their little makeovers, and uh, Mallory realizes she can use the same tactics that she used on. Uh, Mrs. Arnold talked to her own parents. So she goes in after dinner one night and says, hey, listen, I feel like a baby. I would like an entire new wardrobe, a haircut, contact lenses, and my ears pierced. And her parents are like, whoa, 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 that's so many things. And she's like, all right, well, I guess I could just get a haircut and my ears pierced. And they're like, oh, okay, that sounds...
2: She's very Um, intentionally gone in with bargaining chips like she knows what she's doing she's planned this out she never
0: expected to get the contacts or the new wardrobe she's very smart. Yes so she uh, makes a deal with them that she'll use her babysitting wages to pay for half the haircut and the ear piercing Um, and that her dad's like you have to go to the salon in town and she's like oh okay I guess even though she absolutely was already planning on it so she gets her, her wishes to be slightly more grown up, and when she mentions this at a babysitter's club meeting, um, they're like, hey, like, we haven't had a party in a while. Instead of having a party, why don't we all go to the mall together and get our ears pierced? Yes! <laughs> so they do, uh, Mallory and Jesse get their ears pierced for the first time, Claudia gets a, third, a second hole in one ear, and then Dawn gets two holes in each ear. She's got to one up them. That long. last
2: minute, she wasn't gonna do it at all. But she, I loved the scene when she, uh, she changes her mind last minute and oh my gosh, I need to ask my mom. And she Christie run off to find
1: the payphones. Mm. Iconic. By yeah. the way, I have a third hole, and maybe it's grown in now actually because I never use it. But I have a third hole in my left ear, which was inspired by Claudia, um, also my mom, but mostly Claudia. I had my ears
0: pierced, I want to say when I was 10, I think when I was 10, um, me and my best friend both wanted our ears pierced so bad, and I got mine pierced, and I freaked out, so my my Mm. best friend at the time did not get her ears pierced for like another two years, because I went first and I freaked out so much, uh, And the joke is on me, I was very much a tomboy as a child, like not long after I got my ears pierced, I switched to jeans and t-shirts constantly, like I really leaned into it. I had never been a very dressy child, but I really leaned into the tomboyishness of it all. But also, my skin is super sensitive, and I could only wear earrings that were pure gold or silver. I could not wear cool earrings from Claire's. Uh, So my holes did eventually close up because what fucking 10-year-old wants to wear plain gold hoops all the time? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sad. And now, joke's on me, I'm a very accessory-heavy adult (laughs) and I can't wear earrings. Oh, no. And I keep thinking, like, oh, maybe I'll try to get them pierced again. And then my friends will remind me, Kate, like, you rubbed up weird against that couch and now your entire arm is covered in hives. So... My, I'm actually looking down at my arms, which are both covered in hives now, just because I've been absently like rubbing them against my sweater. No, <laughs> it's fine. It's not like itchy. It's just weird. Anyway, um, so yeah, they all they all get their ears pierced,
2: and there is a really great moment when um, Claudia, who is trying to be so cool and just hop up in the chair because you know she's done it before, and then she almost faints after
0: was really wonderful. Yeah, it was very cute. And then like Marianne has to comfort her
1: <laughs> cuz yeah. she feels like an idiot. Um but also uh Liz, did you want to talk about Mallory's haircut specifically? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. This this was a so
2: one of the things that I identified with that or that made me identify with Mallory is that we both had curly hair that was kind of unmanageable. And her whole thing I I don't under her parents seem very reasonable and a haircut I mean, you have to get your hair cut. Like, and they have four boys who have short hair. Like, they're getting haircuts. But for some reason, the haircut is a thing like that you look like a baby if you don't get your haircut. That didn't really make sense to me. But, um, she wants to get her haircut so bad. When she finally goes to the salon, um, the hairstylist, Amber, tells her, or she picks out some pictures of, um, Styles she would like and amber says oh show me show me what you like and i'll tell you if i can do it with your hair she finds one and amber says oh yes see these these waves see how it waves like that that's all natural when we cut your hair it'll just relax on its own that that's bullshit (laughs)
1: there's (laughs) there's no way
2: and when i my mom always kept my hair cut pretty short for a long time until like i said something about it i i mean i looked like little orphan annie for oh. for you know, until I was like eight or nine years old, except for when my mom took too long getting my hair cut and then it was just like this big uh, it wasn't a good look and it definitely <laughs> did not soften into manageable waves when uh, when it was shorter. it just so I don't know. I, I feel like Anna Martin, who looking at the picture in the back of my book, her hair seems pretty straight. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that was also a part of my problem is that my mom's hair is very straight. My parents didn't know what to do with curly hair. So, um, and you could have done a little research on that because poor little 11 year olds who who thought they could be like Mallory and have a have a more grown up haircut. No, it did not work like that.
1: Yeah, it took me a long time to understand, like, what products I should be using on my curly hair. yeah. I mean, like and there's, there's no talk really. of that
2: for Mallory. No, no, it's all about the cut. It's there's no products at all. Bullshit.
0: Yeah, I when I was around Mallory's age, like basically from the time I hit puberty until my mid 20s, my hair was very curly. I had no idea how to take care of it. So instead, it was just very poofy. Yeah, (laughs) it it was just a big poofy like triangle coming out of my head. Yeah, yeah, same. And it certainly didn't naturally turn into a wavy style when I would cut it chin length. It just became a shorter triangle. Yeah,
2: shorter triangle. You were like a, a pyramid
0: head yep I was
2: right there so then it was it was in a ponytail all the time Mm
0: -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. 100% or a bun Mm -hmm. and then I had like three years where my hair was perfect and did that thing where it was like straight for six inches and then the bottom four inches were in ringlets
2: oh wow and then it just Mm.
0: stopped doing that very abruptly Mm. it was nice while it lasted
2: (laughs) that's fascinating
0: and of course it was like right at the beginning of digital cameras so i have like five good pictures of it oh. from those years and nothing else <laughs> well, but sp- you'll
1: always have the memories yeah. yes i'm still and in on one my- of those
0: pictures i'm standing next to bradley Woodford. so oh Ew. well
2: then that's 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 the money shot that's good
1: <laughs> liz what were you gonna say
2: Oh, I was just going to say, I'm I I'm 40 years old now, and I am still on my curly hair journey. I mean, you know, I still don't have all the answers. I'm better than <laughs> I was when I was reading this book for the first time, but, you know, I've,
1: I've never quite completely figured it out. Same. And I know our, our silent partner in this podcast, our editor, Becca, has been on an in-depth curly hair journey, and every so often she talks about, like, all the different products she's trying, and I'm just like, oh, maybe... maybe this is fine like maybe my current setup is fine because I feel like I'm too lazy to like join the Facebook group and like do all the steps like um, maybe have achieved my maximum potential for the for the effort I'm willing to expend
2: my my number one tip real quick is just um that takes no effort is uh don't wash your hair so much that's uh to everyone with curly hair out there
1: yes I have I have internalized that I do a vinegar rinse pro tip but it's a good um,
2: one yeah (laughs) Mallory Mallory are you listening
1: (laughs) 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 don't listen to Amber listen to us (laughs) (laughs) um I mean that is the end of the book like as all these books they sort of wrap up abruptly and neatly so that you can move on to the next adventure Um, does anybody have anything else they want to say about like the plot or the hair before we move into our dramatic readings? Yes. I I feel like we joke a lot about how if Dawn were an adult
0: now she'd be an anti vaxxer. Mm, Uh I would like to think that Mallory in her like late twenties, early thirties would be someone who runs one of those curly hair Facebook groups. Yes, correct.
2: Yeah, definitely. And posts a
0: lot of Things about how, like, oh, like, when I was a kid, like, my parents, like, wouldn't let me, like, do fancy things with
1: my hair, and I internalized a lot of da-da-da-da-da, and yes. Yep, you're so right. Well, I feel like she would lean into, like, and I'm the oldest of eight kids, and, like, here's all my household tips of, like, you can reuse these mason jars, and, like, here's how to get the best eating arrangement in your minivan. Like, even if she doesn't have kids, I feel like she she could lean into like a childcare blog
2: and aspect. I and you know that she would treat her blog like a job and she even if she was making no money off of it she would post regularly and she would like take it really seriously give a lot of content
1: yes absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> all right well that's Mallory that's what she's was up to then and what she's probably up to now except for the fact that she's fictional (laughs) and now we will move into our dramatic readings and i'm gonna start us off with chapter one with mallory at the mall where she's taken her younger sisters to watch strangers have their ears pierced and it's totally fine and normal a girl my age was sitting on a stool about to have a hole made in her right ear I noticed that she already had one hole in each ear, and I immediately felt envious. I'm not allowed to have any holes in my ears, and this girl got to have three. Claudia because she wanted three also, but I didn't feel very sorry for her since she already had two. Claudia is one of my friends in the babysitter's club. What's the babysitter's club? It's a business that my friends and I run. We babysit for people in Stony Brook, Connecticut, where we live. There are six of us in the club. The president is Christy Thomas. She was the one who started the club. She started it last year with a bunch of her friends who are all 13 now and in eighth grade. My best friend, Jesse Ramsey and I are the two younger members of the club. We're both 11 and in sixth grade. What an interesting group we are. We're very different, but we get along really well. Christy, for instance, is loud and outgoing and full of ideas. She's quite serious about running the club. She's small for her age and cares zero about her appearance. In fact, she almost always wears jeans, sneakers, a turtleneck, and a sweater. She comes from a family of brothers, two older ones and a little one, David Michael. Her mom, who was divorced, recently remarried a millionaire, so now Christine lives in a mansion across town from her old house and across town from the rest of us. She has a new little stepsister and stepbrother, Andrew and Karen, who she loves to pieces. Christy would not care one bit about having her ears pierced. Marianne Spear, who is our club secretary and Christy's best friend, couldn't be more different from Christy. She's shy and sensitive and cries at just about anything. I think she's sentimental, too, which may explain why she's the first one of us to have a steady boyfriend. His name is Logan Bruno, and he and Marianne are perfect for each other. Marianne lives in the house next door to Christy's old one and across the street from Claudia. She lives with her dad and her kitten, Tigger. Her mom died a long time ago, when Marianne was very young. Mr. Spear used to be really strict with his daughter, but he's let up a lot lately. And since that happened, Marianne has taken more of an interest in her appearance. She wears clothes that are sort of preppy, but at the same time, cool. I bet Mr. Spear would never let Marianne get her ears pierced, though. Don Schaefer is another good friend of Marianne's. In fact, I think Marianne has two best friends, Dawn and Christy. Dawn is the club treasurer. Boy, is she different from anyone else in the club. She's a real individual. Dawn moved to Connecticut last year with her mom and her younger brother, Jeff. They moved all the way from California after her parents got divorced, and they picked Stony Brook because Mrs. Schaefer grew up here, or something like that that's in the text that's not me (laughs) Dawn is so Californian that it's almost sad to see her transplanted to the east coast she's laid back but very organized and responsible adores sunshine and warm weather and even looks Californian with incredibly long pale blonde hair and sparkling blue eyes things haven't been easy for Dawn there was the divorce of course and then just recently her brother moved back to California to live with Mr. Schaefer because he hated Connecticut so much But Dawn is not only an individual, she's a survivor. She'll get through this. Pierced ears? I don't know whether Dawn would want them. I'm sure she'd be allowed to have them, but she'd probably only get them if she were sure she wasn't going to look like every other 13-year-old around. Now let me get back to Claudia Kishi. She's the one who already has pierced ears, remember? How could you forget? Claude is the vice president of the Babysitter's Club and probably the trendiest, coolest kid in all of Stony Brook Middle School. She's into art and makes some of her own clothes and jewelry. Wild things like socks on which she paints palm trees and coconuts or gigantic bright paper mache pins and bracelets. Whether she makes her clothes or buy them, they are totally cool and you can count on Claudia to add her own personal touches. No matter what she wears, she looks great. That's because she is Japanese American, beautiful and exotic with dark almond shaped eyes, long black hair that she styles in all different ways, and an absolutely clear complexion. By the way, it, it is, of course, problematic to describe people as looking exotic, but Mallory didn't know that because she was 11 in Connecticut in the 80s. Well, that's um, that's the end of that. It does go on for a bit more, but that's probably more than enough. I, <laughs> But I feel like I did just trigger an intense nostalgia for most of our listeners oh yeah Uh, yep all right i'm gonna do
0: the next section which is from the twins birthday party and mallory has just suggested that the girls wear different clothes than what their mother had picked out for them the matching frou-frou clothes but then they say no we have to wear what our mom says and get dressed anyway and here we go No sooner were the girls dressed than the doorbell rang. They're here, cried Marilyn. The kids are here. The twins made a dash for the front door. Standing on the stoop outside were three well, three dressed up little girls. Each was holding two identical presents. Come on in, said Mr. Arnold heartily. And the girls stepped into the living room. They put their presents in two piles on the couch. For the next 15 minutes, the doorbell kept ringing and guests kept arriving. Each one came with two gifts, which were placed on the two piles. When all the children had arrived, and Marianne and Don were organizing them for Pin the Tail on the Donkey, I secretly added my own gifts to the piles. I slipped them underneath the other presents. Marilyn and Carolyn seemed a little upset when they were getting dressed, but they were just fine during the games. All the girls liked Pin the Tail on the Donkey. Marilyn and Carolyn giggled and shrieked as they and their guests wandered blindly around the rec room, groping for the donkey poster. By the time everyone had had a turn, there were tails tacked up all over the rec room. The winner was the one who had pinned the tail on the donkey's nose. The twins were hysterical. After the prize had been awarded, the kids played musical chairs. Twice Carolyn fell on the floor, and then they had a peanut hunt. Don't know what that is. When the hunt was over, Mrs. Arnold said, time for presents. The kids began cheering. The guests were as excited as the birthday girls were. Marilyn and Carolyn sat down on the floor in the living room, and their father set one stack of gifts beside each girl. The twins reached for the presents at the very top of the stacks. They were wrapped in Winnie the Pooh paper and were from a pigtailed girl named Jane. Marilyn and Carolyn tore off the wrapping. In each box was a small Raggedy Ann doll. Thank you, the twins said at the same time, and set the dolls on the floor. They opened the next packages, two Barbie dolls then two stuffed elements, the elephants, then matching necklaces. Two, two, two. Each twin kept tossing her presents onto the floor and growing crosser looking by the second, although the guests kept exclaiming, "Ah, isn't that cute?' or, "'Oh, can I play with that?' At last, the only presents left were mine. They were not the same size or shape. They were wrapped in different paper. The twins looked intrigued. "'Is this a mistake?' asked Carolyn. "'Who are they from?' asked Marilyn. "'Me,' I replied.' Go on, open them. So they did. I'd picked out a tiny pin in the shape of a piano for Marilyn and a book of science experiments for Carolyn. Boy, thanks, cried the girls enthusiastically. They absolutely beamed at me. But their smiles didn't last long. Mrs. Arnold wanted to take some pictures. She took the twins standing together holding hands, she took them cradling their new Raggedy Anns with the party guest group behind them, she took them sitting next to their piles of identical gifts. The girls were always together, always doing the same things. It was no wonder that by cake time, the twins' faces were identical thunderclouds. They were sitting at one end of the decorated dining room table, the cake between them. Now lean over and blow out the candles, instructed Mrs. Arnold, her camera poised. Two angry faces blew out the candles, then turned towards the camera. Click. The camera caught me in the background. I was trying to smile, but I'll bet my face looked pretty strange. I felt terrible for the twins. How awful having no identity to just be Marilyn or Carolyn, a cute look look-alike twin.
2: Um, a peanut hunt is literally just where your parents hide a bunch of peanuts in the yard and you have to find them. And I definitely went to some uh, birthday parties where we did that in the 80s. Interesting.
1: This pre prevalence of peanut allergies, clearly.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think I knew anyone with a peanut aller- allergy. But yeah, it's like an Easter egg hunt, but for any time of year.
0: Huh. Yeah, that was not one. We still had variations of pin the tail on the donkey, played fucking musical chairs for fucking ever. Yep. Uh, never did a peanut hunt. It's a cheap and
2: cheerful party game, as long as no one's allergic. <laughs>
1: I wonder what you could do now. I mean, I guess they sell those eggs You could do plastic eggs with like anything in them now. Yeah. Or like, um, baby bell cheeses. Oh, I would love a <laughs> baby bell cheese hunt. <laughs> you have to do it quickly and not on a hot day though. Yeah, and I mean,
2: if you end up with like a bag full of cheeses,
1: that's a lot of cheese. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, Liz, why don't you take us home with our last dramatic reading?
2: Okay. This is from Shopping Day. After the merry-go-round, the twins and I went to a sports shop. The girls priced socks and shirts, and I bought blue push-down socks. (laughs) I would have to stop buying things, though, or I'd never be able to pay for the ear piercing and half of my haircut. You guys, I said as we left the sports shop, "'We have to meet your mom in a little less than an hour, "'so I think you better decide what you want to buy "'and then go back and get the things. "'Are you ready to do that?' "'Yes,' said Marilyn. "'I think so,' said Carolyn. "'Do you need to do some figuring?' I asked them. "'They looked like they were frantically trying to add prices in their heads. "'I could practically see their eyeballs whirling around from the effort. "'There's a bench. Let's sit down,' I suggested. "'We sat down, and I pulled a pad of paper out of my purse.' After much discussion and scribbling and adding and subtracting, we went back to Bel Air's. "'Clothes first, said Marilyn. "'They're more important than exersories,' which is her mispronouncing accessories. "'In the girls' clothing department, Carolyn tried on the cool jeans she had seen. "'They're a little expensive, but I can wear them with almost all of my shirts and blouses and sweaters,' she said sensibly. Marilyn tried on the corduroys and didn't like them. "'I'm more used to skirts and dresses,' she admitted.' I don't want any more baby dresses or things with straps, though. I saw a cute pink jeans skirt. Maybe I should try that on. It was grown up. Twenty minutes later, we left Bel Air's. Marilyn was carrying a bag with the jeans skirt and a roughly white blouse in it. She had forked over at least three quarters of her money for them, but looked quite pleased and proud. Carolyn was carrying a bag with the jeans and the Moon and Stars sweatshirt in it. The grins on both girls' faces were at least a mile wide. We went back to the merry-go-round. Marilyn bought the knee socks with the hearts on them. I'm tired of tights, she explained, and a pair of pink barrettes. The barrettes were important because the girls had made a decision about their hair. If mommy won't let me get my hair cut right away, said Carolyn, at least we can wear our hair differently. I'm going to pull mine back with barrettes, said Marilyn, and I'll wear a headband, added Carolyn, who found found one she liked at merry-go-round. Our last stop was a sports shop. Marilyn was out of money, but Carolyn bought some push-down socks, like the ones I'd gotten, except they were yellow to match her new sweatshirt. As we left the sports shop, the girls turned satisfied faces toward me. "'All our money is gone,' commented Marilyn, "'but we don't care.' "'Yeah, we are so lucky,' said her sister. "'And from now on, when Mommy goes shopping, we'll go with her. "'We'll never have to wear yucky clothes again.' "'Don't count on it,' I thought.' knowing how mothers can be. But Mrs. Arnold was going to try to be understanding. I was pretty sure of it.
1: Um, all right. So let's move on uh, after that delightful trip to the mall that we've all taken together. Let's play some Would You Rather. And I'll ask, Would you rather work on a horse ranch with the Black Stallion or read horse books with Mallory? Which, by the way, Mallory's love of horses is barely a factor in this one, but it is one of her other defining characteristics, generally speaking. Yes. Um, as I said in the Black Stallion episode, I discovered
0: that I am very, very allergic to horses. Uh, so even though I have never been a horse girl and horse books don't super interest me, if those are my two choices,
1: I would rather read horse books with Mallory. Say I mean, I'm not allergic to horses, but I just would rather read the books, even though I'm not crazy about the books either.
2: I think I tried to read The Black Stallion as a kid and it did not hold my interest at all. Um, So I think I actually would like to be in the black stallion, work at work at a horse ranch. Um, I did take a few riding lessons as a kid and um, I'm not allergic and I liked it. So
1: there you go. All right. Well, that sounds cool. Then maybe you can write your own book about it. Yeah. How about would you rather eat at the mall food court or at steaks and cakes, which is of course, our sponsor and the fictional restaurant from the movie Christian Mingle.
0: Um, you know, as I said earlier, I'm from New Jersey. Uh, our state food is mall food court food. Our state activity is going to the mall. Um, I that's a joke. Our state food is very clearly either bagels, pizza, or Taylor ham. Obviously, sorry. You can probably
2: get all of those at the mall.
0: Um, That's true. But despite that, you know, as as much as I love the variety of the mall food court and the very specific nostalgic feeling of sitting down in that weird neon lit space, um, I do think I have to go with steaks and cakes, uh, not just because they're our sponsor, but because where else can you get, you know, a whole steak and a whole cake just together like that?
1: <laughs> not at my mall. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I also miss a mall food court. I would really could go for like a food court pretzel right now, but, um, still I'm going to stay true to our sponsor and my desire to eat a full cake at all times and go with steaks and cakes as well. You know, I'm sorry to go against your sponsor,
2: but I just, I can't turn down a mall food court, especially in 2020 when... I don't get to go to any restaurants um you know having having so many options in one place is just i can't turn it down
1: yeah that's the real treat of the food court you know by the way real quick i just want to say a trend that i love and that i hope continues once restaurants are like open again is i love that like fancy food courts are becoming more and more of a thing oh yeah uh, it's just, it's so nice. Like, then you don't have to pick. Like, everyone can get more or less if they want. Choice. All right. But uh, we're not a food blog, so we'll move on to um, Would you rather dress more cool or more grown up? Which we actually kind of already talked about at length, but just real quick obviously, I'd rather be cool.
2: Definitely rather be cool.
1: Yeah,
0: I 100% uh, would rather be cool, especially if Claudia is seen as, like, the beacon of cool. I do not necessarily think that I am at Claudia's level, but, like, weird, bright (sighs) patterns and colors and lots of accessories is kind of my jam now. Yeah, for sure.
2: And, I mean, I'm not saying that I... I I don't think I could dress cool, but if you asked me what I would aspire to, if I could like look like anything, it would
0: definitely be cool over grown up. Yeah. yeah. Um, as a kid, I was definitely more of a Christy. I think I mentioned before that I was a tomboy and jeans and plain t-shirts or turtlenecks was uh, basically my main uh, outfit of choice. And then once I hit middle school and high school, it was jeans and very specifically like Hot Topic t-shirts.
1: Same. (laughs) Extremely same. Well, Hot Topic t-shirts and t-shirts from uh, musicals. (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) Well, Hot Topic had the great like all your like pop culture stuff, but on the like baby doll tees, at least like when I first started shopping there. Yep. uh, Which that was that was my jam. Yeah. Nothing could be
1: cooler. Yeah. All right. Um, how about you, Liz? I, is, is Claudia your specific fashion icon of the of the babysitters as well?
2: Yeah, I think I mean, I, I always fancied myself as a creative like her and would totally I mean, the description in this book of the earrings made out of miniature baskets filled with miniature fruit like I would have. I would have worn that for sure, but I never could have really pulled it off. I, I think like n- what I actually am now is like a, a Christie crossed with a Dawn because, you know, California cool. Yeah. Well, and I, I can't wear, I mean, I'm never going to wear a turtleneck or a sweater, uh, but, but definitely more of the, the, the basic look that, um, you know, 80s definition of basic, not, not current definition of basic that, uh, <laughs> that Christie wore, but, you know, but, but turn towards the West coast a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. I respect that. Okay. Let's move on to reader's advisory. And of course, I mean, if you were a kid who actually read this, like you never needed anything else because there was over a hundred of them and you could just read them forever. Um, One thing I I should say, um, like explicitly, is that we have talked a little bit about how even though Claudia is the ultimate coolest, um, maybe this book, mostly written by white authors and white ghostwriters, maybe wasn't always the most sensitive to Claudia and her Asian American heritage, maybe not always um, the most sensitive to Jesse as the token black babysitter. But at the same time, like, I know that these books were meaningful for a lot of kids because even with, like, such a limited percentage of representation, like, having one black kid in your babysitter's club was maybe more than a lot of other series at the time were giving you, which was, like, zero. So... We also talked a lot about that um, because mm-hmm. the Babysitter's Club book about uh,
0: Claudia and the racist what Racists mm. was the one we did last time. We did talk yes. about this a lot in that one yes. as
1: well. Yes. Um, so I, but I just, because of the moment we're in now, I just, yes. I didn't want it to go unsaid at this moment. And so um, I'm just going to toss out a couple um there's again, there's nothing quite like Baby stars Club being published now because we're not doing these huge series anymore. But just a couple of like middle grade friendship novels that like you know they're realistic and you might like them if you were the age that might like a Baby Stars Club now. And I will recommend um, a good kind of Trouble by Lisa Moore Ramey, which I loved. Um, President of the Whole Fifth Grade by Sherry Winston. Um, this is pitched older, and I picked it because it's about twins. But if you want to read another book about twins, that's cool. Um, is I'll Give You the Sun by Jandy Nelson. Um, I'm going to throw out there uh, The Mighty
0: Heart of Sunny St. James, mm. um, which very much, it, not necessarily this, not necessarily in the Mal- Mallory and the Trouble with Twins way, but of a lot of it felt so similar to all of the the fucking babysitters go to the beach like every three books and it it was very i felt very nostalgic towards it um for that reason
2: um the babysitters club graphic novels um my 9 year old daughter is um really really into them and you know you talk about rereading these books like she has them all and she's read them so many times and uh it's really cute and sweet that like this was a thing that was so important to me and like i did not have to force these books on her like she loves them she isn't quite at the level of where she's really excited to um read regular novels um but the the graphic novels are great and the stories are pretty much the same um they're wonderful
1: yeah And um, they are, at least the first ones, I think someone else is doing the later ones because Raina Telgemeier got too famous to do them, but uh, Raina Telgemeier did some of the Babysitter's Club graphic novels, and her book, Smile, and um, Sisters, and Guts, like, you just can't, um, can't keep them on the shelf. She is it for tween girl readers, and then that's the number one question I'm asked at the library, is like, well, my kid already read all of Raina's books, and what's next, and... Um, and we're running a little low in time. So I'm going to tease you and say that my, uh, other graphic novel recs will be on our website, worstbestsellers.com under reader's advisory, but yeah, Raina Togemeyer. Um, uh, so let's, let's move on to our candy pairings and what, um, what candy would you pair with Mallory and the Trouble of Twins? My candy pairing for
0: this particular book would be uh, candy buttons, the little sugar candies that came on paper that you pulled off with your teeth. Uh, They were probably my favorite candy around the time that these were my favorite books, or at least the beginning of the time that these were my favorite books. And uh, much like these books, I look back on them with a lot of nostalgia, but really they were all very they were very similar. Um, (laughs) But that doesn't stop me from that doesn't kill the nostalgia those they didn't taste different. The three colors tasted the same. (laughs) And I get that now. But at the time, it felt
1: monumentally different. uh my pairing is is a pretzel from the mall food court which is not a candy but i mean you could get a cinnamon sugar one and it would be delicious
2: mine is a twix that claudia kishi has been hiding in her closet uh and but you have to give one of the bars to either your twin or if you don't have one you give it to your best friend
1: yes perfect Right. Um, Now it's time for our favorite game, The Rock Paper Snicked, where, of course, Kate will say who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I will say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. Um, And Liz can choose which most enhances the book, or she can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is.
0: Uh, So if Dwayne The Rock Johnson was in this book, he would probably be a surprise celebrity guest at the twins' birthday party. Uh, Their parents kind of seem like the people who would have a surprise celebrity guest at their kid's birthday party. Uh, You know, it wasn't like over the top by the standards that we look at kids' birthday parties today. Uh, But certainly having like 15 girls with real fancy gift bags for 1989 and uh, all of the very expensive presents that were given to these girls for their birthday uh, I and also fucking Stony Brook being Stony Brook, you gotta think that these parents come from money.
1: Yeah. Well, um, that sounds great, by the way. <laughs> but uh, if Wolverine were in this book, um, we we know that he is just a a friend and father figure to all teenage girls, and that is his role in the Marvel economy. And so, if he were in Stony Brook, of course he would be just kind of a a gruff uncle like figure to the babysitter's club, and he would drive them all to the mall and then he would eat a corn dog off of his claws.
2: Well, I mean, if you haven't figured it out already, I am very nostalgic for the mall, and uh, so I gotta go with Wolverine because you know that just sounds like a delightful afternoon,
1: yeah, right. Alright, but of course, it is a game where we all win, because we've all just got to spend some time thinking about Wolverine and the Rock. Correct. So, um, what do we think the moral of the story is? My moral of the
0: story is that the parents in Stony Brook are not great. Mm, no.
2: My moral is et'sle oge ute ade
1: alme. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't mention it, but I'm pretty sure I did learn Pig Latin directly from the Babysitter's Club books, because this is, like, not the only book where they do Pig Latin. And, uh, and you
2: said you didn't use it very much, but, man, I sure I sure learned it and ran with it.
1: <laughs> no, well, my see, this actually ties right into my moral, which is every child is a unique snowflake. There you go. So, some of us speak Pig Latin, some of us don't. Alright. Um now it's time for Duarte's Corner where my cat Duarte will share his opinions about the book. Right. Um, you're right, there wasn't uh there wasn't much good pet content in this book, particularly Duarte. I will share one thing I remember so clearly about these books is that the Pike family had a um a guinea pig named Frodo.
2: <laughs>
1: and my, I didn't grow up with Lord of the Rings in any way. And then when the movie came out, I went to see the movie and I was like, oh, like the, like the Pike's guinea pig. <laughs> 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 like literally that was the association that it honestly still in my brain today is Frodo. Yes. I love that. Yeah. But Frodo wasn't in this book at all. Yeah. Next time, Tori next time we'll do a Marianne book.
0: So you'll get that good Tigger content.
2: Yes. What? And Duarte, I'm really sorry that I didn't choose the next book in the series, which is Jesse Ramsey, Pet Sitter. But, you know, I just, I liked what I liked and it just wasn't my favorite.
1: It's fair. You know what? No, we are just going to have to do Babysitter's Summer next year and then we can get into all of it. <laughs> what a good idea. Super Summer. Ah <laughs> uh, Yes. All right. Do any humans have any closing thoughts?
0: Uh, if we do babysitter's summer we gotta do some of those mysteries man Fine. oh
2: yeah <laughs> i mean i you could fill the entire summer with just um a book from each of the individual series
1: yeah there's so many yeah Ooh. i hope we don't forget about this <laughs> <laughs> well
2: I will, I will happily come back if you uh
1: if you if you do it yes excellent um if anyone else wants to talk to us about baby stars club and honestly we know that you do um you can find us on facebook or facebook.com slash worst bestsellers uh we have an instagram which is also worst bestseller spelled correctly um, our twitter is at worst bestseller with no s because that's how you can tell it apart from the other social media okay they're not all the same the twitter is different it has its own identity and it doesn't have an s okay Um, We also have a Goodreads group, which is pretty chill and best access by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on Goodreads. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, Apple
0: Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, all the podcast places, you know what they are. Uh, If you do subscribe to us, please take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it moves us up a bit on the charts. It makes it easier for new listeners to find us. Uh, If you don't rate and review, we're just going to start doing the podcast in our own made-up language. That's a <laughs> Uh, You can also subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash worst bestsellers. Uh, Patreon is a platform where you can pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like pay our editor and keep our web hosting up to date and all that fun administrative stuff. There are perks for you as well. You can get on a newsletter, you can get a postcard in the mail, some stickers, uh, and you can check all that out there uh also if you go to worstbestsellers.com and click on merch uh you can access our merch store where we sell or all sorts of designs so that you can wear our podcast on your body do you think we could um could
1: we get like earrings as merch
0: I tragically i think we would have to make them ourselves and i just don't have time to figure out etsy okay
1: well you can buy earrings elsewhere i guess it's fine <laughs> <laughs> that would just be the ultimate Babysitters Club inspired merch that we could <laughs> offer. Um, if you want to come talk to me about my earring collection, which is frankly getting out of hand, I'm on Twitter at Renata Snacks. Uh, if
0: you want to come talk to me about not earrings, because I can't wear them, and that would just be mean,
1: <laughs> I'm at 14 across. You could get clip-ons like Marianne and Christie. Though that seems painful. Oh also i guess if sorry i guess if your problem is the allergy that would be the same also yes it'd probably be worse actually yeah
2: all right um i'm on all all social medias pretty much um at liz harvatine um and i don't really wear earrings but i'm happy to hear what you have to say about them
1: (laughs) earrings pro or con discuss (laughs) us Uh, Liz, thanks so much for joining us and, and providing us with this delightful trip to the Mall of Nostalgia. Thank you so
2: much for having me.
1: Wonderful to have you here.
2: Thank you. I loved it.
1: Um, and we will be back with more Flashback Summer in two weeks with Freeze Tag by Carolyn B. Cooney. Ooh. Yeah, it's going to be spooky, probably. Right I yet. hope so. Seems spooky. Um, all right. Well, thanks everyone. Take care and bye. Bye. Bye.